0: Greetings, fellow Dungeon Masters. Welcome back to the Knights and Nerds podcast. My name is Tim, and I want to say thank you very much for listening to this. Welcome to part two of my discussion, my campaign planning episode with Ryan Howard of the excellent podcast, Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend going back to listening to part one, because this conversation really just picks up where we left off. Uh, it's a little bit shorter. Uh, I just wanted to put them out as, as two episodes, because... I felt it would be quite long as, as one. We had a few days in between our conversations uh, for me to sort of mull over things that were discussed in the first part, and I think this conversation, while a bit shorter, is just as interesting as the first conversation that we had, so I really hope that you enjoy it, and again, if you want, I highly recommend checking out Ryan's podcast, Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard. It's on Anchor.fm, iTunes, and elsewhere. So without further delay, here is my campaign planning episode part two with Ryan Howard. So let's get back into it. I did want to ask you one thing, though. The okay. th- the cat who was very vocal in the background, who, who, I just want to make sure that they get a contributor credit when we put this <laughs> up. So who was that? Which cat was that? That is Sophie. Sophie. And the other one is? Nora. Nora. Okay. <laughs> Right. Nora's quiet, Sophie's loud. You know, when I first met Katie, her parents had a cat that was deaf. <laughs> and like a deaf cat that meows and doesn't know how loud it's being, doesn't know how loud it needs to be in order to get attention. So if you've ever heard a cat uh scream, this is what it did on a regular basis. So uh like after hearing Katie's deaf cat scream for, you know, several years consistently um i I hardly even noticed sophie in the background to be honest (laughs) and i wanted to i i was mulling over what you had said your your amazing idea about the dragons having subjugated the realm that they were sort of shunted off to and Mm -hmm. i was looking through the dungeon master's guide and i found elysium and if you don't mind i'll just read you a quick paragraph that describes elysium okay Go Elysium is a ho- Elysium is a home to creatures of unfettered kindness and compassion, and a welcome refuge for plainer travelers seeking a safe haven. The plains' bucolic landscapes glimmer with life and beauty in their prime. Tranquility seeps into the bones and souls of those who enter the plain. It is the heaven of well-earned rest, a place where tears of joy glisten on many a cheek. What do you think it's of dragon it? food? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that to me sounds like some place that is. Entirely helpless, mm-hmm. entirely defenseless, and uh, yeah, I, I was thinking that if if the campaign allows me to go in that direction, I would really like to destroy Elysium with dragons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we we were talking about what the characters might do in the, I guess how how would they would be approaching the the thralls, how they would. Mm potentially save people from being thralls and we had sort of touched on the fact that a lot of people in pharaoh's point are afflicted by by this elixir that makes them primed to mental manipulation so essentially primed to be servants of the mind flayers yep so whenever the mind flayers want to sort of flick that switch and you know, really take control, kind of like Kilgrave in the first season of Jessica Jones, where he can just sort of broadcast um, the commands to dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of people to act upon certain orders. They have Anna on their side, who's working on a cure. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what form this cure should take and how how readily it should be available to them.
1: My thoughts for The Cure... A, a lot of the thoughts that I've been having have actually kind of been from a player's perspective. Like, what what can we do to kind of get The Cure out there? And so I've been thinking a lot about how, like, Gilly could exploit his Thieves Guild contacts to basically introduce to some kind of better drug that the people who are hooked on can can get involved in. But that's, that's from their perspective. That's not something you could do. Um, as far as what form it should take it it seems to me like it's going to be something that they can only make a limited quantity of they've they've only got so much dragon bone so it it's not going to be something where they can cure everyone in the city at least not initially they'd have to be able to get it to someone who could make more of it but what kind of form it would take oh sorry sorry go ahead
0: Oh no! I was gonna say yeah. I, I definitely agree with you on that on that point. Uh, having sort of a, a limited supply of this cure and having to deploy it very carefully, mm-hmm. and just even even when I was thinking of it, you know, they would they would have they would have it, and not know a hundred percent if it worked, and so they wouldn't want to essentially synthesize all of the dragon bone right away without knowing for sure that it worked. So they would only mm-hmm. have like a small like amount to 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 test with
1: the one thought that i that just occurred to me what if it was some kind of powder that they could secretly like like slip into someone's drink or put it in some kind of like not necessarily like a water supply that's a little that's too big of a a medium to mix it in but if they could like go into a a tavern that was full of new life junkies, and just start dropping like pellets into drinks.
0: Yeah, that's that's certainly one option. I thought you were gonna say, um, like, have a powder, and then essentially someone who can cast like gust of wind just sort of aims it at a group of them <laughs> and just kind of gets them to inhale it.
1: You but could yeah. do that. You could do that if it was some kind of like vapor form as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the one by one approach would be. You know, certainly one approach would be very time-consuming for them to do. But with, um, you know, the right—I guess they've been making friends and they've been building an alliance. So that would be a great opportunity for them to sort of engage all the people that they've been sort of gathering to their side to help sort of disseminate the cure.
1: Now, another thing that occurred to me: what if, you know, kind of going off of that that vapor form? What if they were able to make it so that they could like almost make it like a smoke bomb where they throw it into a crowd, but in a wide disbursement like that where it can get to multiple people, it just takes longer for the cure to set in. Like if you're able to give someone a straight up one tablet or one vial of New Life Cure, they'd be cured within, let's say, 12 hours. Mm -hmm. But if you disperse it amongst a crowd like that, it would take maybe... 48 hours up to maybe even a whole week
0: oh that's really interesting see i was waiting for someone to say smoke bomb in this conversation (laughs) uh no that's that's great and and the the smoke like the airborne approach had occurred to me but i was i was thinking if it cures them right away then that's going to be almost almost too easy for them if they just sort of throw it into a group of of them and then that's that's it but if it takes time to become effective, that's I really like that approach. That's mm-hmm. really good. So that they still have this threat to deal with, and they're not going to want... Like, if they have deployed it and, they're, and they get into a tight spot, they're not going to want to turn and fight off or potentially kill these people who they're at the same time trying to cure. I can see some dilemmas coming from that.
1: <laughs> now, this might kind of be like playing the game on hard mode a little bit, but what if not only did the cure take a little bit longer but at least initially the urge to use new life would not go away but with the cure in your system if you were to ingest more new life it could possibly kill you
0: ooh that would be that would be adding an extra layer of, of difficulty for sure that's interesting cuz then they would have sort of their i think their mission would would have to change they would have to at at some point they would have to sort of try to to suss out these I'll use the the word distillery. <laughs> yep. These little, uh, sh- you know, operations that make the stuff, they'd have mm-hmm. to try and and you know shut those down. Yep. Although, I think there there would be a natural tipping point where the city would become so chaotic that 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 would happen naturally, mm-hmm. or at least the the supply would diminish as things became worse and worse. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I think that would be another great um, opportunity for the the heroes to sort of use their allies to their advantage. And if, you know, I don't want to plant those ideas in their, in their heads or tell them that's the approach that they need to take. But on the other hand, they have a fair number of NPC allies on the go right now. And if they have this task that requires multiple people in multiple locations working towards one, I mean, that would at least help um avoid the possibility that they would essentially have you know half a dozen or more npcs with them when they go to face off against certain uh villains right mhm yeah no that would be that would be adding a, a, an extra layer of difficulty that i think they would have to really work hard to get around from the from the dm standpoint what do you think would be the reaction of or, or the strategy taken by the Mind Flayers once they figure out, oh, they can undo all the stuff that we've been doing. They can undo, you know, we have this reservoir of, of bodies ready to do our bidding, and all of a sudden the numbers start dropping.
1: Well, I think with the Mind Flayers, at some point, they will, and, and maybe they already do realize this, uh, but they'll have to realize that there's this group of rather powerful individuals directly working against them. And so it seems to me that the ultimate goal of the mind flayers, once they realize we have this group of individuals that are working against us, is to turn one of them to working for them, or even turn all of them to working for them. So at some point, I think there has to be some kind of attempt to flay the minds of one of the PCs. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i think so um who would you pick
1: (laughs) and if she ever finds out about this she's probably going to murder me but the one that makes the most sense because she's the most charismatic and she's able to literally control people with magic would be candace be fiance i
0: was thinking that same thing too i was thinking exactly that i'm waiting i'm waiting patiently for that to come up again the the fact that her, you know, enthralling performances sort of overlaps onto like the, the people who have taken new life, you know, it's control like a controlling magic, and so they're already primed for that, and so I'm 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 waiting. They've been so far removed from Farrah's point for quite a while now, but I'm really waiting for them to to get back in and and for that to be a factor again. But, yeah, you' you're totally right. The mind flares, like the the fact that the heroes are capable and becoming more capable all the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: has been sort of working for their advantage up to a point where they're now, you know steadily becoming more suspicious and and the more suspicious they become, the less useful they are. And the more it behooves them to try to either you know bring them in line. Or to get rid of them entirely, having someone who ingratiates themselves to them like Shigar, who's a who's a thrall, mm. and to try to, do you think that they would try to say like, hey, you know, if we can get them on New Life, then we'll have sort of a hold over them.
1: And the trouble there would be getting them to ingest New Life because they've already seen what it does. Oh, true. But if if I can manage to 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 get Shigar
0: into their company. And in in a scenario where they're like at a tavern, say, and he's getting them all like a, a flagon of, of, of whatever and decides to spike everyone's drink. What do you think about that? Too, too on the nose?
1: On one hand, it's a little too on the nose, but on the other hand, it just might be the only way that works. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very underhanded. I don't know how I feel about it.
1: There would almost have to be, and this is so difficult to do, I'm actually encountering this with with my PCs right now. There's there's a character in my game who is going to... Everything they've told the the players at this point has been a lie, and it's going to come back around on them, but I've not given them any kind of hint that he's uh, not to be trusted because there was nothing that gave them that hint. And so on one hand, when that twist comes, they might be upset with me because they never had the chance to suss out whether or not he was telling the truth. But if I at the table say, roll an insight check on this guy, just without them asking if they can, then they'll know, even if they don't succeed in the check, they, as the players, will know that he's not to be trusted. And it's hard... It's hard not to metagame in a situation like that where your DM has has let it slip that maybe this character is not to be trusted. and then at that point, kind of you've already shown your cards. So there'll have to be an opportunity for them to see that Shigar is not necessarily everything that they think he is, but it can't be so overt as make me an insight check. It'll have to like it'll have to be a situation where, one of them goes, I, I'm not so sure about this. Can I make an insight check and at that point? Yeah, go ahead. And if they roll and succeed, then you can kind of let it slip. But if they don't succeed, then no, you tell the truth. It's like, a, like a,
0: walking a very fine line. Yeah. Between helping them realize and straight out telling them. Yep. Hmm. I mean, I suppose the other option is to try to get them out of the picture uh, in a more fundamental way (laughs) and i think whoever is carrying the cure or even creating it would become i think like a very like a priority target yep i can see i can see that they would that they might want to leave enna way out of harm's way like far away from from danger and if they if they go that route how would you approach I guess the mind flare plan of, of getting rid of her.
1: I think a lot of that will play into, if you do decide to bring Shigar in and have him show up in, uh, in what is it? Uh, tall tree. Is that the tall hill, tall hill, tall hill. Yeah. If you bring uh Shigar to tall hill and they trust him and they let slip that Anna is working on a cure or even her location or anything like that, then at that point, um it is completely fair game for the Mind Flayers to to kidnap her. As of right now, is Anna on their radar at all? Like do they know about her? Would Elwyn, would Elwyn have told them about her? I think they might actually have told um
0: have told Elwyn about her, but I don't think that they mentioned specifically that she was working on a cure. I think they just mentioned that they have had spoken to her. And that, that you know she and Elwin have this, this sort of shared past. So that's that's a good that's a good question because I don't know how much the mind flayers would know about her. I've kind of have thought that the the orb is kind of like a uh, like a like an eyeball for them. That whenever they take it out of the of the uh, portable hole, that is just kind of that they're able to see through it, similar to mm. those uh, doodads in Lord of the Rings. Saruman had one. I can't remember what they're called. Um, but basically like, oh yeah, we can see through this at all times, but most of the time they keep it in the, um, portable hole. So it's not really much, much use for the mind flayers anyways. I think the only way that they might know is, is if they somehow get that information back to, to Elwyn somehow, which seems to be unlikely given how skeptical they are of him, but it's entirely possible that if they tell let's say alasha or martin who do not harbor those suspicions they might relay that to elwyn themselves so there's kind of a connective thread there
1: yeah and that creates i mean that creates a very interesting situation where if alasha and martin aren't they're not thralls right
0: correct yeah no they're they are themselves
1: (laughs) so if they i mean they don't have any they're not slaves to the mind flayers uh, and the players don't seem to have any suspicion about them. And they are trustworthy, at least as far as they themselves know. You have a situation where you've got characters with good intentions who could inadvertently cause a lot of problems for the players. And it may even kind of shift the suspicions from Elwin to... Martin and Alasha and kind of give you a, a bit of a red herring there. Oh, I never if, considered that. If they tell Martin or Alasha something but don't tell Elwyn because they don't trust him, but somehow that plan like still gets, still gets foiled, there's still... Like the Dragonborn show up or whoever shows up to kind of mess up whatever they had planned, and then they could think, maybe it's not Elwyn, maybe it's Martin, maybe it's Alasha, something like that. And then that'll create something interesting especially for gilly with the thieves guild if they suspect martin of stuff
0: i just had an image sort of flash into my head of some kind of confrontation involving shigar and elasha and them accusing each other of betraying the alliance in like with mm-hmm. the players and and the players sort of having to suss out like who to trust like yep. who who here is is who they say they are
1: which one do you shoot that one <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> Uh so I had read some stuff on the Mind Flayers about uh like on that blog What the What the, what monsters know? Have you read anything on that on that webpage on that site?
1: What monsters know?
0: Yeah, it's uh, th- this it's all about essentially what how to tactically use the um the various monsters in D&D, how they should behave, how to maximize their abilities against against uh the player characters and there's a couple of interesting entries about the mind flayers there there's a, cri- a criticism leveled against them that they're maybe a bit underpowered aside from their like mind blast ability so if we have like this this group is very dangerous at range and i think mind flayer tactics are not to get involved directly into combat unless it's a like a last resort sort of thing I guess what I'm asking is is, have like have you used them before in any of your own games? And if you know whether or not you have, what are your thoughts about making them a little bit more durable?
1: So I've not actually used mind flayers um, as uh, enemies in any of my games. I've got friends who've used. Uh, my, I've, I've had mind flayers used against me, but they were not they were not presented as. Uh, like boss level enemies they were actually working on behalf of someone else in that campaign i'm 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 trying to find the illithids in uh volo's guide because there's a couple different uh new illithids that have been released uh obviously there's the elder brain but then there's another kind of like the Ulotharid. the uh ulitharid
0: yeah he's he's a treat for some reason, I was under the impression— and it might be— Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, just it might be a situation where you'll have to, like, pair another kind of aberration with them. Like, you could throw some intellect devourers at them. That would suck, but <laughs> it could be done. I was under the impression
0: that they all could, could turn invisible, but I don't think—I think I'm actually wrong about that. I know they could levitate at will. I also thought invisibility at will was a thing.
1: Do you think it's too much to make it a thing? <laughs> I I don't necessarily think so. Let me let me look at the Mind Flayer stat block real quick. I have actually got both my monster manuals right here, so so yeah, they can uh, they can cast invisibility. They've got uh, spell slots that would allow them to cast invisibility, in three different slots, but at will invisibility. I don't know. That might be a little bit overpowered.
0: Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. Invisibility is off the top of my head. I can't remember how long it lasts. It might be... I believe it lasts for an hour. An hour. Oh, okay. Well, here's what I'm thinking. They have plane shift, which is essentially not going to work for them to, to consistently plane hop when there's active interference for them to do so Mm -hmm. so maybe we can like sub in something else to help them because i i think that they would use that to you know when they're okay this fight is not going my way i'm out of here something else that will sort of fulfill that function like expeditious retreat or um teleport i I don't know how high of a level teleport is i'm a crappy dm i'm woefully underprepared for my own conversation okay i'm gonna grab my player's handbook (laughs) and then Okay, so teleport
1: is very high. It's 7th level. Yep. Yeah, and your average Mind Flayer can only cast up to 5th level spells. How about Dimension Door? I believe that should actually be low enough level. 4th level Conjuration. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you could do that.
0: You teleport yourself from your current location to any other spot within range. So within 500 feet. So there's essentially... They can instantaneously just remove themselves from from a fight. You're all of a sudden 500 feet away, unless they're in some kind of open f- field of grass. They're, you mm-hmm. know, the mind Flayers should be able to quickly lose themselves after after disengaging, like to that great of a distance. I actually had a, a brief conversation with with the group after the encounter in. The Circle of Fire, where they were beset by hellhounds Mm -hmm. amidst the smoke. It was very, like, that encounter was tougher than I thought it would be because they all kind of got separated a little bit. But then the encounter with the fire elemental was very, like, a lot easier than I thought it would be. I didn't think, I obviously didn't think it was going to be a tough encounter with the fire elemental, but um, it was shockingly easy, and I realized that they're all very capable at range uh, you know especially vana dishes out a huge amount of damage at range so the tactic <laughs> my tactic should be to try to get like not start not start every encounter with this huge distance to be closed uh but if that is the case then close that distance as rapidly as possible because they're less effective fighting in close range So I think if if they have a few hardy thralls with them who can get up close and the Mind Flayer can, you know, choose to maybe stay behind cover and do some psychic blasts. And if things aren't going their way, then Dimension Door and they're gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think of, and this is going back to like fourth edition, Mind Flayers are, I believe the term's Controllers they they do not go at the forefront of battle if you end up with a bunch of players against a group of just mind flayers then the mind flayers will get uh trounced pretty easily mhm so you have to have some kind of you have to have some kind of muscle there the question is do you do like hardy thralls or do they have some kind of like big monster that they brought over with them
0: ooh like a uh... Yeah, because they 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 did enslave. Um, I know there's like Dwergarware thing. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but, yep. Um, and yeah, there was another type of creature that I think is mentioned in Volos. I can't recall off the top of my head, but if it's too big, it would make me wonder, like, how would they keep it sort of hidden in this in this big city full of people? Yep. Um, I mean, there's it's entirely likely that they've been sort of nabbing the occasional dragonborn soldier here and there and and converting them. And when I was thinking about this campaign like from the start, one of the I guess situations that I knew that the players would have to deal with eventually. And this was a very daunting thing to think about and I haven't really thought about it very much. And I guess I should probably should have given you a heads up on this, so I apologize for springing it on you now. Uh is You know, they're they're sort of hidden out in this big city and the players will have to track them down at some point, but you have this huge city filled with people and trying to find five individual creatures, or I shouldn't say five, a handful amongst an entire metropolis is, seems like a very tall order. And I don't know how the players will go about doing that. What do you, what do you think?
1: I mean, it helps that you have a ranger. Um, I, I don't remember. What what did Vanna decide on for her favorite enemies? That would be humanoid and dragons. Gotcha. So, I mean, with the humanoids... Oh, no, mind flayers are aberrations. That's right. So, yeah, that would be kind of difficult for them. And there would be no reason for her to take aberrations as another favorite enemy without ever having encountered one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. If that could be that could be difficult. If they get if they make some kind of uneasy agreement with the Gith, I could see that it's possible that they might train Vanna or give her an insight into how to track them down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would be a very slim like only only in the instance if they actually forge some kind of you know cooperative understanding with with the gith yankee would would they give van that kind of ability to track down what i i created this term f- for uh the <laughs> i guess what the gith are are like the trail that the gith are following uh what do you think of it flare stank
1: <laughs> i mean I, i'm pretty sure that's how the gith would refer to it <laughs>
0: so they they give van the ability to to follow and to track flayer stank Mm -hmm. and yeah that could be that could be something but that's sort of
1: like a, a very tenuous if right yeah the other thing that i can think of since the mind flayers are basically controlling the new life supply i don't know how directly are they controlling it is it like they are making the new life giving it to their thralls to sell and then that's how it's getting around the city or did they enthrall oh that's a good question that's that's
0: something that i actually had not really asked myself before i guess i was operating on the assumption that once it kind of got out there and started to spread that it was kind of a hands-off sort of approach Mm -hmm. that it was kind of self-replicating and they didn't have to do too much although like but i'm open to changing that i i didn't have any hard plans one way or the other
1: because one thing that would make it a little bit easier on them with their underworld connections they could find a way into one of the into one of the manufacturer and into one of the distilleries (laughs) if you will and from there kind of discover if not outright discover like oh there's a mind flayer in here at least discover some kind of evidence that it's mind flares that are behind it.
0: Ooh. I think that's a very good and uh, very... Uh, yeah, I mean, that just... I can see that happening. I can definitely see that happening. It makes sense. It f- it flows narratively, like, perfectly with everything else.
1: Mm-hmm. In fact, maybe they go into one of the dens and find another black orb.
0: Ooh. I... <sighs> I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> yeah, I had not thought about the presence of... A, I guess they would need some kind of... I mean, something to tether them to the existing one. Mm-hmm. So having a second one there would, I think, blow their minds. Now, that's really terrific. So we've got a lot of possibilities. Some things very contingent upon what the players do, but I guess that's that's par for the course when you're trying to think of what the players will do. In my track record for correctly anticipating their actions has been i think at the rate of chance mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i think i just thought of a uh something that could make a mind flare encounter really interesting let's hear it what if they had a neolithid with them one of those giant like mind flare worm things oh boy like don't those
0: aren't those the result of like one of the tadpoles Eating all the other tadpoles in the brine pool and then growing out of control. Yes. Now, mind flayers typically try to kill those. Right? And they try to like if that happens to like to a mind flayer colony, that's like very bad. And they yes. they try to go out of their way to to destroy those things. I think that's at least the way that's written in volos. Are you are you sort of suggesting that they've like domestic <laughs> domesticated
1: one? if not domesticated one contained it enough that basically this would be like this would be like the nuclear option for them this would be they've discovered our plans pretty much all we have to do like to to preserve ourselves now is uh break the glass on our in case of emergency unleash neolithic
0: oh i absolutely love that <laughs> that is so mean and is exactly something i can see them doing <laughs> in mm-hmm. case of emergency un- unleash so they're ju- they just kind of have it somehow at hand maybe even that they could use the device that the same the same device they're going to try to use to like summon the elder brain mm-hmm. to say okay uh this is not going our way and we need a very big distraction so let's br- let's bring in the uh let's bring in the neolithid probably trusting that the players would uh would be able to I, I don't know would they think like hey if if the if the heroes kill this thing just as well because they the mind flayers think it's an abomination but uh, allows them to get plenty of distance um or or maybe that it's it's like okay well if we're going if if our plan is failing then we're going to unleash hell on on this particular group of annoying people. Oh, that's brutal. That's so brutal. do you are, are you looking at Willows right now? What's the what's the challenge rating on that uh on that particular thing?
1: So it is a CR 13 creature. Ooh. Yes. Now, something that I just thought of, um most of this would be reflavoring. Um but you could, I mean, you could beef this thing up uh if you wanted to do something kind of like specific to your campaign you mentioned the illithids uh, capturing some of the dragonborn what if they were able to make a dracolithid like a dragon but with the neolithid like face
0: oh that's because
1: <laughs> the neolithid already has acid breath so instead of having it levitate you just have it have wings <laughs>
0: I think I should step aside and let you like helm the the like the, the third act of this thing because, oh man, that's I can definitely see that happening. I can definitely see, if things go if things go wrong enough, then yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's I bet you there's some kind of homebrew stats for a dragon flayer. Oh. I'm shuddering just thinking about it, and I will definitely be making stats for that, that thing as soon as we're done in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice.
0: So we have a lot of... I feel like we've definitely covered a lot of ground and have thought out like some really great contingencies, some really awesome plans, You know, dependent, of course, on what the players do. I don't want to railroad them in any particular direction, but I have... I feel much more confident now to approach some of these bigger problems that I was dealing with, uh, not not quite sure how to deal with before. So I really, really value your, uh, your insight. Well, I think we can probably wrap that up, but we should do this again sometime soon. I want to mention the podcast, Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard. Everyone should go listen to it and subscribe to it and give it a five-star rating.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Did you want to mention anything about that? Like any upcoming things on your, on your podcast? Any, uh, like you just had Larry Elmore on and I know you're very ambitious in the, in the guests that you want to, to get on.
1: Yep. Yeah. We just had Larry Elmore on. That was a great interview. Uh, any of you who have not heard it, I want you to go ahead, listen to it. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic interview. He was very forthcoming told a lot of great stories. Um, as of the time we're recording this, I just had another friend of Tim's on the show, uh, Sandro Luketic, of Pixel Opinions. He and I talked a lot about, for those of you who are big like Baldur's Gate fans, we talked a lot about uh, video games and Dungeons and & Dragons and the intersection of the two. As of the recording of this, uh, I'm going to have uh, Luke Hart from the DM layer on tomorrow. That episode will go out uh, this coming Saturday as we're recording this. Luke makes a lot of really fascinating content. He just did a series on monster tactics and uh, how you select monsters for a given encounter, how you do their layout of their of their layer, what kind of stuff you do. Basically making sure that if you have like something super powerful that you want to throw at your players, uh, you don't end up sacrificing action economy just to throw one big giant thing at them.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of his videos in there. They're they're really neat. Uh, and just speaking of tactics, I'm just going to pull up that blog that I mentioned, that website, just in case I got the title of it wrong. I want to give it proper credit. Okay. The the actual website is themonstersknow.com. Any DMs out there should check it out and should also be listening to Roland Bones with Ryan Howard. Uh, so Ryan, thanks very much. And we'll uh, I think we'll leave it there for now, but let's do this again soon. Absolutely.